welcome. It's a special episode today. I'm Just James. Here, Just Jamesing around on the Just James Horror Review Podcast. And today, we're going to be Jamesing another review. Uh, oh, oh, I'm here with my guest. You may you may recognize her from her terrible intro that she just did, because it's me, P.L. McMillan, co-host of the Dead Languages podcast. You can call me Flynn, because I'm not actually just James. Hi, just James. Hello, me. <laughs> How am I doing today? Doing awesome. Oh, we got to add. And this is episode 31. 31. Oh, I wouldn't know that. What now now it's on? official. I have no idea. Now it's official. You are the official episode 31. Thank you so much for that, Clem. I appreciate it. Great intros. Another terrible Plim intro. It's fine. You don't have to lie to me. It's it's the signature. It's the... Yep. I did the intro for when you were on the Dead Languages podcast, too. Remember how True. awful that That's was? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Me and Carson both pawn things off when we don't want to do yeah. the work. You are willing to, to shoulder the weight. I know. Every time... Whatever there's a guest, Carson, it's just like, Pam, you do the intro. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Which is so funny because his his whole like, I'm sure he has no problem doing any of it. But if he can, he will just, it just seems like he's like, oh, yeah, we just go ahead and take. <laughs> he's so off the cuff and it just seems so natural. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm jelly. I'm jelly of his ability to do that. And then I'm just completely feral in my intro. Yeah. It's <laughs> just, just really yeah, just, weird. Right. Just all over the place. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, everyone. We're going to be reviewing the 1995 film Screamers. Not and, to be confused by the 1981 movie Screamers. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, t- tell them a little bit about that. So, apparently, there's two films <laughs> called Screamers, and it's and one's not a porno, I guess. Yeah. So I I went uh, to do my homework, and I went on my Roku TV, and I searched Screamers, and it popped up, and it had the same thumbnail as the link you. So I don't know if the computer the TV just messed up. So I started watching it and it was like this weird 80s movie. It starts off with like absolutely no intro and this uh, like all these 80 peoples are on this foggy island and then they get attacked by fish people. But for 80% of the movie, you don't actually see the fish person. You just see the big fish hand slicing people up. (laughs) So I was really confused because James had been like, we're going to watch this um, space horror movie for the episode. And I was like, I don't understand how this is space horror. Do the fish people come from space? I'm really confused. And so then I I looked at his link and was like, hmm, uh, okay, so the synopsis does not match what I just watched. So, and then I I looked it up again and I found the right one, which is not with fish people, just an FYI, spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> There's spo- no spoilers. Fish, no, there are no fish people in the movie we're about to discuss. However, space fish people, how has that not been tapped into yet? I guess. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. Someone now is going to take this idea and make yeah. a bunch. Well, they're not going to make a bunch of money off a movie like that, <laughs> I don't think. But cosmic uh, space fish people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's definitely a straight to Roku uh, type mm-hmm. movie right there. Yeah, to be written all over it. Um. All right. So, uh, we're gonna. The reason I wanted to bring up that film is because you have something coming out. You have an anthology oh. called. Yay! Uh, the Darkness Beyond the Stars, the Beyond the Stars is a is space a- anthology, and yeah. uh, we had talked previously, and you said you hadn't seen the movie Screamers, and I thought, oh, perfect segue to that way we can st- discuss a little bit of the movie, but also talk a little bit about this uh, anthology, which I've already had a chance to read a couple of stories out of, and it it's pretty kick-ass. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, I guess just right off the bat, Screamers, what'd you think about it? just initial um, impression of the so movie which you one, are the 80s or the 90s one um <laughs> i think fish people speaks for itself well actually yeah, yeah we'll go ahead you, you can give it a little love too but um i, I guess for me you know it's so funny because i'm laying a sci-fi horror movie like at your feet you know you're the <laughs> you're the 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 cosmic queen of crimson calamity I don't, I don't remember how i jumble all those words together but uh so i really wanted to know what you know are we doing spoilers stature uh, oh yeah. Oh, I spoiled the show. Anyone that listens okay, to the okay. show knows okay, that cool. yeah, I, I so, talk about the whole talking thing. about the 1990s screamers, which is set in space. So I I was surprised at how good the set looked. Like know, the sets right? throughout the movies, like it was surprising for like 
the fact that it was a 90s movie and didn't look so cheesy. Um, I like the concept. I could see why you recommended it to me. Um, essentially, the movie is about um, there is a mining planet and they have found this beautiful resource for energy and it's so astoundingly valuable. But when they mine it, it releases this radioactive waste. And so the people mining it uh, uh, fight back against the company. There's a 10-year war. The planet is completely decimated. And in the beginning of the movie, it's kind of discussed how um, the one side created these robots to fight against the resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're called screamers because the radioactive uh, um, acidity of the air or whatever, like takes away some of the the coding and you can hear their machinery scream, screaming. But so the the one the main character is this gruff dude. And after this really confusing start where this one guy comes out of nowhere and gets eaten by the screamers and he has a message and it's like a truce, but then like this this ship crashes down and it's full of nuclear weaponry. And then they find out the guy who sent the truce is actually dead or maybe he isn't, we don't know. And then they're like, hell, we don't want to work on this company anyways because I think they're just keeping us here. Let's go make a truce with the Alliance. It's very confusing beginning. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? What is happening? I I stayed with it because it was a James um, recommendation. You've never steered me wrong. Yeah. So then they go and they try to get to the resistance. the first they discover that there's different types of screamers the first one is like the one that goes underground like tremors and they look like little like scorpion dogs the second type is like a kid who's going to ask for help and um to trick you into letting him into his bunker or that's number three and they're like what's number two yeah what's number two yeah um and then it's revealed that number two is a soldier on the who's wounded and cries for help to get you to come closer so but yeah. then it's uh, there's a number like number two turns out that it can also be uh, a person who's walking around acting almost normal, except they tend to repeat themselves. Um, so I did like it. The only thing I was a little disappointed in in the end, um, I did guess that the romantic interest, the only female character in the entire fucking movie was going to end up being a robot because I was like too convenient. Right. Too convenient. Second female character. If you remember in the very beginning, because I was going to ask you, I wanted to see more of the colonel. It was a oh, female right. colonel at the very beginning yeah. because the guy. She's a, so she's, she gets like 10 minutes of screen time. And she's a badass. Like, so yeah. this in the very beginning scene, like Plim was saying, there's uh, uh, just not get confused there. There's a military base and the opposite side. One of their guys is coming over the hill. It's a year. It's a war that's been going on for 10 years. They're pretty much at this outpost where all the mining happened. And now these these alliance wars with like people on Earth are trying to help them out, um, whatever. So anyway, this guy comes over the hill. He's got the message in his hand. Little scream screamer robots, which you don't know what they are when that first happens. Yeah, they just start zipping by, and it, it's cool. The effect is like on tremors when the big worm would be going under the ground, and you know Except even it's like little baby. Yeah, little little baby little baby worms. Little baby. Little yeah. Baby. Yeah, they're like little uh, softball size, um, yeah. but they look like they got blades that come out of them, kind of like uh, the dude, the phantasm is that the name of the movie? Yeah, phantasm or whatever. So anywho, they're like, why? Like they know that their side knows that these screamers exist, so they're already like, this dude is committing suicide by even coming yeah. over here. So of course, one of the grunt guys is just he gets his rifle and he's like, you know, I'm gonna fucking smoke this guy, and then the female character comes up and she's a colonel i can't remember her name and, and she or if they even said it they just call her colonel or something but she comes up and grabs the rifle and she's like he's mine she's about to fucking dust this dude and i was like yeah where is she at you know i would have liked to have seen her a little more partnered up with the uh main guy there in the movie yeah. instead of the uh i don't know what you would have called the love interest she was just kind of like a black market uh sales it was is, so is, random was memo, yeah because like they get to like the one base where there's the three survivors two dudes and the girl and like immediately she's like i'm gonna take a sponge bath in front of you she's now that like, was super weird la, la, like, yeah that was super <laughs> <laughs> like immediately i was like that's super sus because what woman in a post-apocalyptic planet is going to trust some random dude not to be like rapey around her so immediately i was like kind of distrusting her and then there's a big fight scene where a bunch of the children robots are like uh, swarming them. They have to use like a tiny nuke that they just have. Yeah, what do they call it? A, a little Pluto. Yeah, a little Pluto. I think something like that. Um, 
and then uh you know about pretty much everyone dies except for them and then he decides to slice her hand open to see if she's an a robot because robots aren't supposed to bleed so she he like cuts her to the tendon she's like screaming and then like they start kissing and then suddenly they're in love and i was like what the f-? they're right the next to all these going? like dead bodies and like sh- he's just like cut her hand open to the bone and she's like this really got me wet yeah yeah that's right yeah like oh man this is it i mean maybe that's the kind of relationship she was used to since or she, she was, was a, a robot yeah or she was a robot but see and that that's so funny though the perspective stuff because uh and that's why i love to have different perspectives on the show because i thought the same thing like when she's taking a sponge bath i was just like maybe she's just like fast and loose she's just like hey we're all gonna <laughs> die might as well see where this dude's at you know oh i'm sorry i didn't realize you were sitting there also um like when he cuts her hand I, I thought that was a really cool scene because the reason it happened for those that haven't seen it is a guy that was with them who had killed one of the people they assumed I, I guess that dude was human I'm assuming he was human but yeah. he ends up he, getting killed who knows, he, who we, fucking fu- knows? we find out that, that robots can bleed because she's a robot right and so uh he ends up killing a guy that came from earth who was supposed yeah. to go to a new planet and the whole reason that this the the war's been going on for 10 years but they found new uh whatever that energy was that they were yeah. mining out there they found it on a different planet so pretty much what the main character fi- figures out because he's a smart like uh war hardened you know type guy or whatever and they pretty much he, he pretty much finds out that they've just been left up there to rot He's like, you know, because the, the guy's like, well, why would they still send us food? He's like, because we're not a problem up here. We go back to Earth. They'll talk shit right now. They can control everything, our communications, what we send from here back to Earth and all that other stuff. So basically, it's just us. or We've just been sitting up here. And that's where a lot of the confusion comes from, which I thought was super fucking cool, especially for sci-fi, because just to think that this war that cost all these lives and it's been going through all this stuff, it involves, you know, nuclear weaponry, mass uh uh, you know, mass death and all that because there were civilians, on, you know, just like any war military base, they have families and stuff that will live on base. So same thing up there. And all these people died and they didn't know, um, you know, to think that they had been forgotten about. I just, it just seems so realistic. Like that's such a, you know, we're just about the money. It's never been about the war. It's just who gets control of that energy so they can profit off of it and whatever. But, but so anyway, the point is he, one of the guys that was helping him out that was supposed to be from the enemy side ends up killing a dude that came from earth whose ship crash landed in the beginning. And I still don't know why it had nukes on it. Like, did that ever get explained why it had the nuclear reactor? Were they just going to blow no. the planet up or? Yeah. I think they were just going to blow the planet up. I, I, yeah. So I have no idea. They found the different planet. Yeah. Yeah. And they were just like, throw, throw these people in the trash. Right. Yeah. They're just expendable yeah. or so whatever. She so she bleeds. So they fuck they make <laughs> he's right. like oh i just like i i just remembered there's an escape pod back at alamo the this last remaining human town let's go there and so they make this long journey and then there's like a final confrontation because somehow these robots have found them as well um and then right at the end he's like oh no it can only fit one person you go my love because i love you even though we've only just met yeah <laughs> And then another one of her steps out and it's like, surprise, fucker, we can bleed. And then yeah. the two twins like fight and kill each other off. He gets in the, oh, oh, and he's holding his love. And he's like, now you know what it's like to be human because you've learned to kill each other. And then she's like, but I've also learned to love. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's so corny it is corny super i did like the the human line learning to kill each other the love line was a bit much yeah and he gets in the the spaceship and he's like on his way to earth and throughout all of this you kind of forget about it but when he meets the one type of robot that looks like a small child they all have teddy bears for some reason because i guess the robots are like hmm what makes (laughs) a human child you put them in rags you make them beg to go with you and they each have a teddy bear that looks exactly the yeah. same. Yeah. They're like well, humans love out, this shit. Yeah. yeah. Humans, humans love teddy bears. Humans love teddy bears. Am I right? Other robots? <laughs> yeah. And so he gets in the spaceship and he's like he they all also have bracelets which are supposed to protect them from the robots because it hides their pulse because the robots track the pulse. 
Anyway, so he takes that off because he's like, I guess I'm free now. And then in the backseat, the teddy bear starts moving because surprise, the teddy bear is also a fucking robot. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> great ending. I mean, yeah, great sci-fi ending. You know, for me, I was just like, oh, hell yeah. It's like uh, and I actually read they made a second film. And I just read kind of the synopsis. I didn't want to watch it because I'm sure it wasn't going to be much better than this one. But it said that they it, the movie starts with them finding his ship or something. and Or no, he burned himself up in the atmosphere. He did something to destroy like the ship and himself. And so we know why from the first one. But of course, they wouldn't have known why in the thing. But I was just like, you know, because that's that dude's character. Like he's just so like, I don't know. I Even though he was super cheesy, I do feel like they tried to make him this super selfless like you know save the people but also he was kind of an asshole mm -hmm. you, you know to make him a love interest and so the character that's uh, that plays this is the guy who played robocop so for those that haven't seen it imagine the dude that plays robocop playing a tough guy in human form no no robotics on him and also being someone's love interest you know he yeah. looks like a like he just doesn't look tough you know what i mean and he's yeah. just he, he, certainly doesn't have any well to me any level of sex appeal whatsoever so well you got to be a robot who's trying to get off the planet and then he looks real sexy he starts looking really oh. good yeah that's fair oh uh, they have to keep him alive because only his dna can open the bunker door and activate the spaceship which is yeah, why they true. like played a long con with him right well, i don't think um, they made it seem like and that's the thing and that's what i liked about the movie and just sci-fi in general i think you've talked about this before is just not the the great like expanse of nothingness and then you're up there and then when you get into a situation where you can't trust anybody or anything for that matter it just adds to that so now not only are, are you on an island alone so, so to say but you don't know how you're going to get off you know there's no like real escape route there's just things that may or may not work out and so you know how do you go about that you got guys that are used you know treachery some people that group together some people try to do it solo some people still want to try to you know keep their humanity and be a hero that kind of stuff and i think all that comes out in sci-fi you know sci-fi films and in literature and stuff like that you being a writer do you think that this movie is a good example of having something that seemed was probably pretty good in book form but doesn't really translate over like really well um so i like this movie uh because I like the corporate horror of it, like the 10 years war over yeah. resources and people just turning on each other because of that. Like the miners just wanted human rights. The company men just wanted their money. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was a, so it was the company men who made it, who made the screamers to kill the miners and break the, um, um, like the, what is that word? The strike. Ooh, that the, word. The strike. Well, out of what my it, brain for a long time. But well, then they... the the robots evolve, like the AI, yeah. and like my wreckage story is actually similar to that, where the AI drives the robots to evolve in a way the humans don't want. So I also like the tech horror. Um, translating it, obviously, those are two very big ideas to try to incorporate into a single movie. Um, mm. I think the corporate one in a book the corporate horror I think could have been explored more in the relationships in the movie it kind of just got lost and was more of a backdrop as to why the the stuff was happening and the horror was mainly about the robots which I was fine with I was yep. kind of hoping that the woman if I had if I rewrote the ending how I'd rewrite it is the woman would have been a human that the robots had raised up and implanted a robot embryo into her uterus. Holy shit. And that's why she bled. That would have been she great, yeah. She doesn't know. And so when she has sex with the guy, then the, the robot starts to grow because, like, she becomes pregnant with this larger robot. And right. then so then she she is effectively human, and they send her home uh, to Earth to give birth to this robot on Earth that way. That's badass. There's, there's a movie... I just saw a preview for it on some random Instagram thing that popped up and I can't remember the fucking name of it, but it, it, it looks like there's a robot and human war that's going on. 
And it looks like the basis of the movie is they find a child with all these robots, but they find out she's half human, oh, right, or half yeah. robot or something. I it's, saw it, that one too. And uh, the preview was in the theater that I watched. What was look, it called? I can't remember. It looks awesome yeah. though. And yeah. that that kind of that kind of makes me think of that because of course you got some people who are like, she's you a fucking robot. She's, she's, a she's a robot. Yeah, she's, she's a, a weapon. weapon. Yeah, that's right. So. But yeah, the the part that didn't translate for me that I think works out in books, and this happens a lot, is the love stuff. Like you said, you know, it's the the whole planet is, you know, he's they're pretty much the last two humans. Yeah, there's pretty much the last two humans they think on this planet. They go to the escape pod. There's only one thing. It's like, well, let's stop and like touch each other's face for a minute and like make corny jokes about it. And he's like, I'll flip you for it. And then he flips the coin, he like grabs her and he's like before it lands or whatever. And he's just like, you're getting on no matter what. Yeah, no matter what. So yeah. So I imagine reading that and it playing out in my mind a whole lot cooler because like you said, they had more time to set it up and build some type of relationship. But in an hour and a half, it just moves so quick. And like I said, with him just not being, I don't guess he has to be a super good looking dude in this situation, but he just was, he just, there was just nothing, I don't know, appealing. Don't body shame Robocop. I'm not trying trying to body shame Robocop. He's he's the fighter for justice. How dare you, James? You apologize to Robocop. Me me of all people should be more appreciative of Robocop and his his swag. If it was my ending, if it was my ending, then maybe Robocop was his descendant and was the robot baby she gives birth to on earth that's right yeah this is turning into a whole series yeah (laughs) yeah. tie it all together this is a two or three book series right here fights against his programming because she the mother did love this guy on the planet and that's why robocop is a fighter for good yeah so at the end he'd just be like dead or alive you're coming with me and like get in the fucking pod somehow yeah like squeezed together i don't and you know really when when it shows the pod it looked big enough for two if you ask me it's like the whole titanic thing yeah it's the whole thing all over again yeah so i mean well it's like big enough but she mentions that there's only um air uh there's only life support for one person yeah but she doesn't need it she's a fucking robot true she doesn't tell him that though she oh yeah that's right yeah and also it's so confusing because they send a second robot which reveals the first robot secret and thus ruining the plan to get her on the ship so the robots weren't very smart in the end. I thought it was maybe because like, you know, she was like, I love, I, I learned to love that maybe like the secondary robot thought that the first robot was going to reveal the secret and then be yeah. like, get on the ship because I'm actually a robot. So for if if you haven't seen it, the robots that they have, they're basically, they were designed as weapons and they have AI and they made an underground bunker where they created these replicating yeah so the robots are making more of themselves yeah so they've their ai is advanced they're self-replicating they're making advancements on their own and that's how they're creating all these other things and throughout the movie you'll see it you'll see the the screamers underground like taking bodies so you kind of get you kind of get the idea that that's where they're yeah that's where they're learning how to build all this stuff is they'll take these bodies and then recreate them with you know machinery or whatever but Oh, and it was weird too with the one robot, and she's like, "We bleed, we fuck, we do all this other oh, stuff." Oh, right, and I was yeah, like, she does uh, say that. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, "Who were y'all? Like, why did you have to fuck them? Like, I don't know. <laughs> why was that part of the programming? I don't." Yeah, know. it's like, what? <laughs> like, was, we sponge bath, we bleed, we yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah. Was one in their robot we meeting? We drink. <laughs> yeah, in the robot meeting, did one of them raise their hand? Like, hey, do we necessarily have to fuck these things? Can we just kill them? Like, I don't really want to do that. But the robot like coach is like, mm, but humans do seem to fuck a lot in the films that we yeah, watch, they... especially horror films. So maybe just fuck them to be safe. Yeah, just to be safe. We we want to be believable. They're like basing all their knowledge on old like horror films. They're like the woman always <laughs> fucks and takes yeah, her top off. That's so right. Yeah. Make sure you do that. Make sure you do that. Or we, else we need... you'll be suspicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that make it. That would make a great like sci-fi horror comedy. If like a bunch of aliens had gained all this knowledge from like 90s slashers horror, oh, yeah. and like they come to Earth to try to like take over, but they can only act in like 90s slasher tropes. So you got the jock and like the nerd and like the slutty blonde <laughs> yeah. and the virgin. And they're all just trying to blend in. And the the slutty one it just keeps taking her top off and keeps trying to fuck people. And people yeah. are like, What are you doing? We're in a we're in a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please go away. <laughs> What the fuck? That'd be that'd be such a good like comedy horror series. The this is from a short story called Second Variety by Philip K. Dick. 
uh, Screamers also um, was done by a Canadian director, Christian Duguay. I don't know how you say that, but so yeah, shout out for your Canadians, fellow Canadians. Uh, it's a Canadian director for this film, but looking at the other films that he's done i can't really get a feel for his style like i would think with this film he's got to move on to something else that's cooler more budget something like that but there's not really anything that that matches this uh, i think he did oh he did art of war with wesley snipes i mean the, the two movies couldn't be any further apart so i thought that was sort of weird but um for those that don't know robocop he's peter weller and he's been obviously in robocop but he's also in a cool underwater film called leviathan which is neat. If you haven't seen that one, check, check that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. And then he voices Batman a lot in the animated movies, like the ones that are on max and Netflix and that kind of stuff. So yeah, if you've ever thought he kind of sounds familiar on those, that's why, but uh, uh, the, the love interest, I'll say the, the other lead, the female lead in the movie is Jennifer Rubin. She's been funny thing about her. She's been a lot of horror series. She was in tales from the crypt. Uh, she was in The Outer Limits. She was in Twilight Zone in freaking 87. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, but she was also in Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And I can't remember her in that film. But Yeah, me neither. Apparently Although she I was in it. Barely remember the third one, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. I th- a lot of people say it's the best one. When I when I read the stuff online or whatever, a lot of people like that one the best. Let, let's see. I'll remember it. Dream Warriors. Oh, this one. This one yeah. messed me up. It's the one. This one has the scene with the Q-tip. I think. Is it the one like in high school, like where he has the needle hands or something? I, I can't think, remember. It's got the so, cooler scenes in it. Aren't they like? Aren't they at like this halfway house or like this therapy place? Yeah, dream the- therapy. Yeah, there's the. I think there's like a kid who is ha- is hard of hearing. Like he's got the implants. Um, hmm. and. There's a scene where Freddie like jams a Q-tip into his ear and like pops his brain out or something. And it forever <laughs> haunted me and I'm still yeah. not okay after that. You still but, Q-tip with like your elbow down just in case. Yeah, you know, just someone, like in bump case. into it. Like what if someone opens a door or something? Someone's no, gonna walk seriously, by and just... it's messed up. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he was in that. Um, the cool guy, the dude that has the blade who's sharpening it, and like he's the cool guy, you know. I feel like he's the one in the film where he like looks like an action star with the with the tears. Yeah, he's got teardrops. Yeah. He actually just looks like your typical, you know, uh frat bro fuck boy yeah. kind of guy now. He's got like the pit viper glasses know, on. He was kind of cute. He had cute hair. Yeah, I mean, I'd fucking I don't know. And, <laughs> Is and, that what we're well, talking about here? You know, well, you know what? And then you die because guess what? He was a robot. He too. was a robot. And you know what? Yeah. Him being a robot, his programming uh demands that he fucks me. So yeah, <laughs> that was in the He's meeting. Like, we gotta fuck, man. We got yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this, but uh I want to know I want you to know two things. Knives can never be sharp enough, and two, I'm gonna fuck you. So <laughs> you know, that's uh that's their code. He, uh, he does kind of have like a cool monologue after he reveals himself as a robot where he's like, I have no father. I am my father. Like, and he goes on this weird, like poetic yeah. monologue. Yeah. So I, I thought that was I, pretty neat, actually. It was cool. I don't know if you looked it up or not, but he's quoting Shakespeare and it's the oh. king. It's King James or King James, the whatever. Some number. I totally I missed know. that because I was like, I, you I were already too so pissed cool. off about him cutting that girl's hand and being like, yeah. I love you. I know. Stab. I'm mad at that. He did though, immediately say like he put, he took his glove off and put the blade yeah. to his hand for her to cut it. And she was, like, like, no. she was like, no, she was like, no straight to the tendon. She can never use that hand again. That's true. That wound's probably constantly reopening because i keep fucking all the time and she keeps like flexing <laughs> she's get, it and she's yeah that's right all yeah over the place and like simbaing his face like <laughs> i saw this on your human movies you humans love this shit right there was a scene in the travel montage when they had like the campfire at the cliff she could have like lion kinged him there and like held him up and been like all this land box the uh let's see the scene where they return to the base with the last remaining humans they believe to be, they return back to their base. And I thought that was a really cool scene where he radios to, you can tell their friends, they've been going through this war together for a long time. He's like, and come on down. Yeah. And he's, he's like, yep, Roger, come on down. And then he come just keeps saying it. And it's kind of like down. now, yeah. When you get a um, 
a robocall and you just keep saying the same word and the robocall will keep repeating. That's what it kind of mirrors. It's just that machine echoing that same, like it doesn't have any other vocabulary to give you. Yeah. And uh, you, I mean, props to, uh, to Peter Weller. I mean, the motherfucking act, you know, I felt like the look on his face and everything, you could kind of see that weight kind of fall on him when he was like, I know that all my people are dead. Like all these people that I've gone through this war with and struggled with, like, I know they're all dead. And then the door opens up and there's like a hundred of those little kids. All that, having teddy bears. All, all swinging teddy and, bears. And the, the, um, the makeup effects were really good. I think. Yeah. I would say, I mean, almost all practical effects. I, I didn't see, a, there's not a whole lot of CGI. No, it was really good. I think like the little robot that goes and like plugs into the computer and plays some Tetris, like, yeah, <laughs> I think he was uh, CGI, but like, it was really well done. I thought. Yeah, that's funny. The one that does that too, even he looks like, like that's his job and he's sick of it. I don't know yeah. how, but somehow just his little stompy. Like, fuck. Yeah. He's just like, fuck, I gotta go Dragging download, little, download like, this shit. Tail everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> It looks kind of like a lizard scorpion, like you said, kind of. I thought he was cute. Yeah. I would have adopted him. Yeah. He's the, but he already hates his job. So now they've yeah. learned, how, they've learned how to bleed, uh, fuck, love, kill and each other and capitalism. hate their job. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And hate their fucking jobs. Just like. They are like truly human now. That's what right. separates us? Nothing. Nothing. And uh, yeah. So, um. Well, I was going to ask you kind of what your top favorite scenes were, but I think we've pretty much gone through, mm -hmm. you know, all, all the best parts, I think. Um, well, cool. Well, I think that's I think that'll do enough for this movie. If listeners, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's, you know, based on this review, if you want to or not. I don't know. It's pretty cool. You can uh, watch it free on Tubi as long as you don't mind the ads. Yeah, the ads right in the middle when stuff's getting good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, do, do you need some Tide detergent because you're covered yeah. in robot grease? <laughs> <laughs> the ads are so random. I wonder if you get different ads based on what you watch. Like, I wonder if you get the same ads that I get or that someone else that watches it or if it's just based on the movie. That'd be interesting to know. I don't know why it would be interesting. To tell. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what my ads were. I know that. I don't. Oh no! Geez. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I got. That's I why got I'm a, asking. I got a Sonic ad, a lot of detergent uh travel insurance um i don't know a lot of times the ads would come up and i would just go on my phone that's what i do i tune out so yeah, yeah. no clue well cool all right well we're going to move on to the second part of the show today i want to talk about this horror anthology that you wow. that that's coming out when's uh, the release date on this august 31st august 31st it's going to be the darkness beyond the stars a space anthology yes so um, I started this project, obviously, because I love space horror and literature wise, there's not a whole lot out there or like even movie wise, if you think about it. Um, so I, you know, started putting this anthology together. I have 15 amazing authors who made 15 amazing stories. Um, Carson Winter, my co-host at the Dead Languages podcast, has a story in there, um, for example. But it, the stories kind of range from like, there's body horror, cosmic horror, weird horror. Um, it's got a good range in like topics and views. My only rule um, for submissions was it could not be set on earth. Like it could be set like close to earth. It could mention earth, but I didn't want anything set on earth. Um, so you have some on the space uh, station, you have some on Mars. Uh, so that... I found that really fun to see what people would do with that. I also made a custom illustration for every story. Uh, the foreword is by David Wellington. Uh, he wrote The Last Astronaut and Paradise One. So he does a lot of space horror as well. Yeah, and both. I really like the foreword of that too. I think it really kind of set the tone for for what you were getting. And it's like the warm blanket you pull up to get comfortable. Like, all right, ready to yeah. slide into this bad boy. To, to me, I think, so I've read a couple of stories out of here and I'll just mention Wait, I'm them. not done with my pitch yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Hold on. Okay. We'll, we'll edit Shut that up. out. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, the cover is by the amazing Stefan Coidel. Um, that's K-O-I-D-L. So if I said it wrong, just Google that. He does amazing art. So he did the full wrapper on cut, the cut, the cover, blah, blah, blah. And then the formatting was done by the always amazing Molly Halstead, who's the uh 
the in-house design queen of Salt Heart Press, which is the press through which The Darkness Beyond the Stars is being published through. So again, it's coming out August 31st, and you can get your pre-orders in now, uh, which is pretty exciting. But yeah. Are are there any, uh, are you still doing the pre-order packages? Yeah. Or is so, that, so that's still available as well? Yeah. There's a pre-order bundle where uh, for only $20, uh, you can get the book, a bookmark, a special uh, print, and a sticker bundle. So that's pretty exciting. Again, only $20. So if you want all the merch too. Yeah. I mean, that's not, that's not bad at all. And you get, I really like the, the prints oh, and that a come copy with these. of the book, obviously. Oh yeah. That comes to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's obviously right, yeah. you get the, the book, you get the book with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I really like the prints that come with these. I think one came with uh, the the cryptid uh, triple feature thing that oh, yeah. you were in as well. It came with a print, and they're I think those are cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so far uh, I think I read five different stories in there, and it really is a grab bag. It's all sci-fi. It's all sci-fi related, but all these stories are so different. Like you said, just the voice of the author, their style of writing, the situations. You know, some are on a spaceship, some are on a planet, some deal with situational horror like uh, others are more body horror that kind of stuff um uh, psychological horror it's all in there with that just that curtain of you know deep space or whatever behind it so i really enjoyed that i think everyone kind of i think where everyone's writing for the same thing too everyone wants to do a good job and flex a little muscle and you know just make sure they're doing something that's different than everyone else so I felt that as I read the stories, you know, that everyone wanted to be unique with what they were putting out there. So it really made for a, for a, for a really cool and fun read um, with this anthology. Those are that's that's the feeling I got as I was kind of poking through these stories. Well, tell us what you thought. OK, so let's see. I, I randomly picked some except for Carson's. I had to read his. Yeah. So his was about and he had talked about this before. So I don't feel like I'm ruining anything. But he there's a a group of people who worship. Gra their religion is gravity or they worship gravity. And I remember when he said that, I was just like, well, how's he going to make that work? One. And two, how is that going to be scary at all? But of course, he takes out his little weird fiction pen and just creates, you know, this this beautiful symphony of horror that's thought provoking that like as soon as I read it, I close the book and I look up and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what the fuck was that? Like, I know I'm feeling stuff now. I got to sit down and think about this. You know, you just stare off into the distance, eating a bowl of cereal, like I'm, I'm learning something. My brain is expanding, you know, from this story. What is it? But really, really the way he worked out, I wish I could say something about it and give it away. But uh, I will say one of the cool ideas on, in that story is there's a group of humans that are anthropologists. I believe is that the right word for it? Like xenoanthropologists. Xenoanthropologists. Yeah. What a fucking cool concept, you know, just that all these people have gone out and tried to colonize these other, you know, planets or whatever. And these people go out to study those different colonizations. And they, it, it just briefly kind of touches on how different ones that they've been to, how they either, either were successful or didn't work out or everyone's dead or whatever it might be. And I just thought it was a really cool concept and something that's very, you know, realistic. And that's the craziest thing about when he writes something too, is that it's, it's, no matter how oddball it might be, you can't read it and be like, yeah, that's probably how that shit would go. Or that's, you know, that's definitely, you know, got some realism to it uh, enough to where the story doesn't, you know, lose focus or anything. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome work by Carson. Good job. Carson good job. Winner. Yeah. Good job, Carson. Uh, Ryan Marie Ketterer. I read hers. It's called The Faceless. And, and you've read other stuff of hers because she was also in the cryptid. That's right. That's why I confirm well, sightings. And I, well, I said I picked these names at random. Those two, I did. I picked hers. Yeah. I'm, pretty okay, so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you said hers in confirmed sightings was your favorite. So your biases What's are that? coming out. Yeah. James. Well, no, I, I I doubt I said it was the favorite, but um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing is my favorite. All, <laughs> here comes nothing, the dad talk. Nothing is my favorite. Look, here. all three of the stories were equally valuable in my yeah. dad eyes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I liked, there's a lot I liked about each story. But Thanks, no, her, her yeah, but her story, <laughs> I, I, her characters and just the the style of writing and everything was really cool. I was just it was super entertaining that story and all the different characters and just the whole detective kind of aspect yeah. of it was really neat. But that was confirmed sighting. So what did you Correct. think of the faceless, which is her space horror story? The faceless. So when I read that one, it kind of played out like 
almost something you would see on TV, like a little 30 minute episode, you know, just kind of a black mirror kind of thing. And even though it was, it seems shorter than the other ones, just because it's pretty intense, like right off the bat. And it deals with, uh, how can I say this? It's kind of like your worst day at work. And, mm-hmm. you know, it reminded me of, um, oh shit, was it, was the name of those movies, right? Guys, like I'm getting too old for this shit. Like, uh, <laughs> it kind of reminded me of that. Cause it basically our main character is about to go on vacation. So she's, she's been busting her ass. She's about to go on vacation. She's just like, okay, you know, one more job kind of thing. And uh, yeah, so some stuff happens, you know, and you'll just have to see, you have to read it and find out, does she make it on that vacation or not? So, but it also had a kind of a culty, I don't know if it was cult or alien or what element to it. That was a nice little surprise that kind of threw something different in there you know, where I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah, cool. What's this? All right. A little, <laughs> it was a little spice, you know, it was a little something, a little something on top. So, you know, I've really enjoyed her writing. I'm a fan for sure. Uh, let's see. The next one I read was some Patrick Barb with Red classic, Rovers. Classic, yeah, classic, classic, classic P Barb. Yeah. Um, it was a great story. And just to, just to show you how they're all different, you know, one dealt with a colonized planet. The other one was more of, you know, just space cruise liner. Yeah, space cruise liner and someone that was just working. So it's an established, you know, they're just their daily grind at work, but it's in space. And then you take uh, the Red Rover story, which is going to be more, I guess, machine, machinery, monster kind of. uh, Set on Mars. Yeah, set on Mars. So uh, again, just from these few stories, like I want people listening to know that that's, you know, just the, the variety you get even just like this at just kind of picking some random stories. So, but yeah, I did like Patrick. So I don't really know what else to say about his without giving much away. Well, Um, pretty much it's kind of like it's tech horror uh, mixed with corporate greed as this, uh, as a, um, uh, a tech billionaire decides that he wants to take a bunch of socialites to Mars for a vanity trip. And then things go wrong. Things go wrong. But yeah, that was cool. And the ending, I liked the ending in that one too. Uh, let's see. Uh, the son of how do you say that? Demeter, Demeter, Demeter. Demeter? Yeah. yeah, son of Demeter by Brian Young. Mm-hmm. Really, really liked that story. I'd, I'd heard something that dealt with similar issues on a creepy pasta one time. It wasn't space horror. Actually, the only thing that was similar was some of the psychological parts in it, really. So, uh, but yeah, that one is the that's the psychological horror. Yeah. And this is about you know people in, um. I guess they're going, so earth is, is, I think earth is going to end in this one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Earth's going to be over. So, you know, it's just kind of this colonization ship, but of course you can't go nowhere. So what do you got to do? You got to go into some cryo sleep or you're just going to live and die on that ship before it's able to reach whatever planet or wherever they're thinking about going to try to start over to try to repopulate and all that. So it just kind of goes into, for me, it was almost like the the fear that you get from a medical horror story mm-hmm. or maybe it kind of taps into those fears that people might have of you know going to the doctor or treatments or something like that and things that can go wrong things that can go really wrong you know yep and sometimes it's just a fucking accident you know it's not even on purpose but even still it can have life-changing altering uh, side effects but i really like that that was probably the one that gave me the the you know that made my skin crawl the most where i was just like oh it's so black, <laughs> so dark. It's so dark. And let's see, the last one I read was uh, is it Dana, Dana mm-hmm. Vickerson. Yep. And she wrote, Planted in the Soil of Another World. And this one was really cool because I felt like there was so much subtext here that I was trying to define. And I felt like it was a lot coming from a female author in that point of view. And that's why I want to say there's a lot of underlining text there that I really wanted to kind of dive into and think about as I was reading through this story. So whether it was the relationship or the symbolism and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I could be way off base. She could have just been like, no, this is straightforward, you know, kind of biological, you know, horror kind of, uh, I don't know what you call plants, plant, plant type stuff, you know, horror. Yeah, isn't there bot- botany? Maybe that's what botany I was thinking horror, of. Yeah, yeah. botany horror. <laughs> I don't there might be a cooler <laughs> word for it, but so it, it could have just been straightforward. But for me, I felt like there was a lot of that subtext that I really enjoyed just just kind of fishing through and picking out and, you know, uh, getting a lot more out of the story than just straightforward what was happening. 
Yeah. So in that story for the listeners, um, it's another colony story, but the two people are already settled on the planet and they're trying to make their farm work. And then terrible things happen. <laughs> and then something terrible. Happens. Yeah, it's like every story. Here's here's how it starts. And then something terrible yeah, yeah. happens. <laughs> oh, we're just hanging out in space, and oh my god, what is that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. It's just because I I think especially with space horn, and we've talked about this too with uh, underwater. You know, any type of place where you're extremely isolated and vulnerable. You know, on Earth, we're the we're the the apex predator, you know, we're the most intelligent, whatever. So there's a little bit of safety in that. There's a little bit of comfort knowing that, well, maybe I can get out of this situation using either my strength or my brain or my cunning or whatever. But on space, at the end of the day, if the things that you rely on to keep you alive, you know, you might not be able to fucking breathe or you might not mm -hmm. be able to grow food or you might not be able to have clean water. And, you know, here on Earth, that's not really something that it has to be a special circumstance, but in space, it's your everyday well, fear. It's, if you're a space, I always, I often compare space horror to ocean horror, because mm. if you're deep in the ocean, it's almost like being in space. Yeah. But yeah, I just, uh, I feel like I'm so passionate about space horror, like, because it has similar things to that, because we don't know what's out there. Um, the environment outside your ship or your space station is hostile. The planet you go on could be hostile. There's so many things that could be out there but also then there's the danger that can come from the technology you use to get out there or the people who you bring with you i just yeah. feel like there's so many avenues for like things to go wrong yeah it's <laughs> what have you thought about the art <laughs> i did all oh that's right oh yeah. yeah no stroke the art... my ego too that's right yeah no the art was i've never seen anything like it no i'm just kidding nice. no no it was <laughs> nice i'll no. take it yeah that's right no it's it's really good i like the fact that I think art, artwork at the beginning is always cool because it kind of gives you just a little bit of something to go on, but I always like to go back and look at it after I read the story. And then it just kind of hits you. It's a lot more impactful to look at it. Um, is that, is the artwork, is that something where do the people that write the stories when you're doing the artwork, do you kind of get with them or do you just say, Hey, I read your story. Here's what I've come up with. What do you think? Like, do they have any type of, you know, I don't want to say say, but you know, do they help you with those images or what to put on there or not put on there? Yeah, I usually do the latter where I'll read the story and I'll kind of decide the subject matter that won't give too much away. Um, and then I'll draw it and then usually send it to them for a review and then hopefully not mess up anything that I would have to do big changes. Now, I know there's a lot of the alien stuff going on right now. You know, <laughs> it's in the news and everything. And I love how they just bring it up and then just move on. They're just like, oh, you know, by the way, uh, yeah, there's there's aliens and stuff. And, you know, what's the new it's not we're not supposed to call it UFOs anymore. It's like UAPs or AUPs or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is what they put on the Doom games or something like that. Or some video <laughs> game a long time ago. I'm pretty sure it's on one of their like shoulder patches or whatever. But it's interesting to me. A guy at work had said something like, well, you know, if they have the ability to travel across space and time and all this other stuff, how come they haven't? you know, just, just landed just came out and be like, what's up, dude. I was like, well, for one thing, if they've studied us for any amount of time, they know all we do is kill everything. Yeah. Like what can it do for us? If it can't we, do anything, or then we we'll, try to fuck everything or we try to fuck it. That's right. Have yeah. you seen, have you seen district nine? The movie district <laughs> no. nine? Is, are, are people trying to fuck everything in there? So, not everybody, but <laughs> Just the like, aliens just, are just yeah. like stay away from that planet. They're yeah, so creepy. lot a lot a whole lot of social commentary in that movie is is, is kind of what it's based on. Basically, these aliens crash land, they quarantine them in this area, and then they don't allow them to do the things they need to do to fly off of Earth because they want to study them, exploit them, and all that. So basically, a bunch of no goods, you know, move into their little base and they kind of integrate with humans. And yes, yeah, some of them end up getting prostituted out. Like you see a guy that's like trying to have sex with the alien and stuff and it's it's a really cool movie though so but this is why aliens will not visit yeah they're like i don't want to do that Gross. <laughs> that's not anything i want to be a part of yeah but so yeah i thought that was cool and then someone had said and i don't remember who said it, i saw it on tv or something on the the internet or whatever but he said well it's kind of like have you ever thought you want to communicate with ants or you know, rats or gophers or whatever, whatever it might be, you know, he's just kind of making the comparison that 
it's the same thing with them. They are so highly advanced. And if they are so smart, able to travel across galaxies, why would they waste their time? Because to us, you know, we're just as dumb as the squirrel climbing the tree. Like, yeah, we can do things, but it's nothing compared to what they're able to do. So they're like, why would we waste our time? What can we do for them? So I thought that was a cool thought, kind of out of the box. Well, there's also the thought that uh, a lot of people, like when they think about aliens, it's like the little green men or like the gray ones. But there's always the idea like the aliens could be among us right now. And they're just not in any sort of form that we could recognize or see or feel. Sure. So, I mean, they could be probing you right now. They could be inside me. That's probably why I'm sweating. Yeah, they're inside me right now. That's right. You know? They could be... Using you like a little meat hotel. um, Well, yeah. So, anyway, back to the book. I did have a couple of questions. Okay. If you're you're ready. I'm ready. All right. So, the first thing I wanted to say is, so you're already busy pinning your first novel. You, Mm -hmm. You... publishing other writers' works with Saltheart Press, as well as coming off a successful novella with Sisters of the Crimson Vine. You got your collection, What Remains When the Stars Burn Out, which is my fave. And on top of having works in other collections like House from the Wreckage and Confirmed Sightings, what made you think, you know what I should do like right now is put together an anth- a space anthology and put that out. So it just seems like you have so, so many fires burning. I just want to know what is your why bother with this? Why is this a project that you felt compelled to take on and that you wanted to do? I like to suffer. You like to suffer? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know you say that all the time, but I guess, I mean, like, why is it, uh, is it just an idea that just kind of ran across your mind and then it kind of turned into more? And then before you knew it, you were like, I think I could actually do this. It's something that's for sure possible. And why not? So I, again, I really like space horror. So, um, I had an opportunity to pitch an anthology. And so I pitched space horror and there was interest in it. So from there, I kind of went off with it, I guess. I did decide to have a time frame of six months. And a lot of people were a little like, that's a really short time frame. And for me, it was mm-hmm. because in past six months, I don't know what's going to be on my plate. Right. You no. Know? So I was like, I know in six months, six months from now, I will still be in a good place to get it out. So it from there it was just I was on Mr. Bones's wild space ride and there was no getting off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's I guess as a reader, we don't really think of that as, yeah, we, you know, you might have two or three different things come out at once, but all those could have been written over the past, you know, eight months, 16 months, who knows what. So to us, we just see like what comes out and we're like, wow, man, she's really, you know, putting that stuff out there. But like you, you know, like you said, that that six months ago you know this started six months ago yeah. this didn't just come out so are you, are you gonna come to the launch party on the 26th i don't know if i just didn't get an update for it for it on uh eventbrite or yeah so it's on saturday uh the 26th there'll be five authors reading uh patrick yeah. barb is one of them uh Bridget D. Brave will be one of them. Uh, three giveaways, so you could win a chance to get that merch and book for free. Um, and plus, I'll be there looking cute as fuck. Awesome. And you <laughs> said it's the 21st? 26. 26. All right. Well, let's see. Next question I have is, as you were going through, because this is your, I'm assuming your first time. Well, I guess it's my if first you consider- time solo editing. Yeah, solo editing. So I did, um, I co-edited the anthology called uh howls from the dark ages which came out last year so this was my first solo one where i handled it completely on my own did you have other people that you could call as like a resource or was it all just kind of like head down fucking feet in the dirt i'm just i'm taking this on i guess that um i sourced out help with the title because i hate doing titles so carson winter actually came up with the title And then um, I did have, I was going back and forth between three authors or three uh, cover artists. So I did kind of ask my authors if they had a preference. So, but otherwise than that, I, I pretty much handled all the project management myself. Um, Are there any parts of this that are, I I don't know, I don't want to say like where you thought like, there's no way this is going to happen, but like, are there hiccups or things that can happen that slow this process down or where you think, oh man, this probably isn't going to work out or this is going to be a big issue when trying to put together an anthology or is it mainly Um, just waiting on the writers? uh, 
for me, it was mainly trying to get blurbs. Um, and also doing full page art, a fun fact, can come with its own um, uh, difficulties because so much of it was black. The uh, The printer was pushing back on it and rejecting it. Oh, wow. Saying it would bleed through. So I had to go through like 10 iterations of the book files. Thank you, Molly Halstead, again, for saving the day. Without her, this project would just die. Um, <laughs> so we had to go back and forth over and over again to get the file, the book files in a place that the printer would accept it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just wondered, you know, I, I didn't know if it was, or people talk about actors and stuff, are they difficult? Are, are writers, can they be just as big pariahs as, you know, you, you the type of stuff you see like in Hollywood or anything like that? Do you have any, any, any grief um, or are they pretty excited about trying to be in something, putting their work out? So they're like, yeah, whatever you need. I got it. Six months. You fucking, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have it in there. My experience was the latter. All my authors, like the 15 that are in The Darkness Beyond the Stars, were really, really good, honestly. All the stories, I, when I read them, I was really excited for. Um, so, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have any issues, really. I feel like it depends on how the project is gone about. So in the normal process, a press will put out a submission call and they'll say they'll get... Um, like however many, and then they'll pick the stories from there and send it out. This was more collaborative where we had a group chat. And so like, I was keeping them up to date. Like, I'd be like, do you guys have any title ideas? Or like, here are the cover artists I'm thinking about. And oh, that's like, cool. And I would give them their like timelines for their edits to get back to me and things like that. And they could ask me questions or anything like that. Um, so it was a bit of a different experience just in that like, it was treated almost like a collaborative project and I was just the project manager slash yeah. editor. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, my next question, I think we've already talked about, so I won't hammer anymore, but I was just going to say, uh, you know, why space whore and kind of paraphrase why space whore is because so important to you. Because it's the best thing ever. Because it's the best why, thing ever. Why don't yeah. you like why space not? whore? If you don't like space whore, are you even a person who likes things? Yeah. Are you even scared of stuff? Pre-order the darkness beyond the stars now. Yeah. And get scared. Get scared, get scared. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is, I found to be extremely entertaining so far. Uh, Follow-up question for that, I was just going to say, as far as space whore goes, is is there any space whore that has actually scared you? And this can be at any time. It doesn't have to be recently. It could be when you know you were younger or whatever, but anything that really kind of hits a fear factor for you and why. I know we had already talked about the Q-tip thing, but something yeah. similar to that that just kind of sticks with you. And just to give you an idea, I'll start with the xenomorph has always yeah, freaked me out. I was going to say alien, obviously. That one was so freaky. Event Horizon was really eerie. Um, there's a lot of eye gouging in that. Yeah, um, a lot of eyeball Dead stuff. Space, which is a video game, and it was actually inspired a little bit by Event Horizon, was really spooky. Also, some eye gouging in that. Um, uh, the thing, the original, just the visuals and the fact that you can't trust anyone, super spooky. So those would probably be like things that really. Oh, I guess. I mean, debatable if you can call things space horror, um, but I mean, it comes from space. It comes so. from space. Yeah, yeah, sure. I would. I'd, I'd call it that. Yeah. The Xenomorph for me is, I just remember when I saw it when I was young and it was, it just freaked me out because you just have this mindless monster. And again, with the space thing, like you're fucked, you're just, you're stuck on this ship with this thing and it just wants to kill you. You're not going to talk to it or reason with it. It just has pure, you know, animal or whatever alien instinct to where that's what it wants to do. It just needs your body as a host and it's going to do whatever. And so the fact that it was so, I don't know, and it doesn't ever kill like nicely, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it it's is going to slaughter really you like me. Yeah. It's, it's always all... penetrating you with its tail or it's yeah. like an inside mouth. Yeah. It's always just the worst possible way, just tearing you to shreds, extremely painful. I just remember thinking that as a kid, you know, and I'd seen all the other, typical stuff like Jason and Friday the 13th and all that. And they, sure they have painful stuff, but it was always had a level of kind of B movie kind of stuff. Whereas I feel like the Xenomorph has never been a joke. Like yeah. it's always, it, it, that character has always been what it is. You know, it hasn't had to change 
over any of the films. It's just kind of perfect the way it is. Um, and to me, that that's always been scary because, you know, if I would have saw a film, for instance, uh, I can't remember what is it, uh, Alien uh, Resurrection or whatever it was called, where like the fourth one. They make she like the back. human alien yeah, kind of thing and it gets sucked. Yeah, it gets like, sucked yeah. out of the peephole or whatever. And it's like crying. It's like, mommy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't I was I felt bad for him. I was like, yeah. no. Yeah, no. Like this, like he was actually gonna be cool. You look like you could sit down and like No, he wasn't gonna be have, cool. He was gonna kill people. He wasn't, but maybe she could talk to it. I don't think maybe she he would, would sit down and have a dirty chai tea with you. Yeah. And just hang out. You know, talk like, alien dude, stuff. You don't have to be this way. We can yeah. be cool. Be he chill. could be the go be between. Chill, man. Yeah, him and the the original Xenomorph. He could be like, "Hey, man, would you guys just kind of chill out?" But yeah, that for me was always the scariest because there was just no reasoning with it. Again, something I mentioned earlier with the space horror stuff is that there's no human element that gets you out of it. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can use that gives you, I guess, you know, animal supremacy here that would work in you know with the xenomorph or anything so yeah i i also kind of really liked pitch black <laughs> I, I, yeah i really like the, the monsters on there yeah. yeah oh yeah that that was just spooky because like it's not just like because you know in a lot of in alien you're stuck on the spaceship right unless you're stuck on a whole fucking planet yeah and it's like what do you do <laughs> just die i guess yeah I i did like that and even you know I'm sure people don't want to like Vin Diesel, but he did a good job in that movie. Yeah, I, I love mean, that and movie. it's it's a graphic novel. First, was it a graphic novel first? Uh, maybe. I think I think it was because it kind of had that flair to it. But yeah, I thought that was a really fun movie, and I like the concept too. Of he's like, yeah. you know, he's like, oh my eyes, I blinded myself because it's fucking whatever. Because I'm on prison planets all the yeah. time. Yeah, like it's an upgrade to blind yourself. Uh, I was like, yeah, it's cool, man. He's I'm a badass. A cool guy. Yeah, I shave my head with a knife in motor grease. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was a good movie. But uh, yeah, well, that's all the questions I had. I, is there anything else you want to say or, or promo about the book? Maybe give us the date for the launch party one more time. Yeah, so the Darkness Beyond the Stars, an anthology for space horror, drops August thirty first. So you should definitely come join me August twenty sixth for the launch party. Um, you can check uh, my Twitter at author PLM for the links to the Eventbrite page or for all the pre-order links. Um, again, there is a special bundle if you want stickers, one of which is a glow-in-the-dark one, and there's some holographic ones too, so you're getting cool stickers that I designed. Um, the glow-in-the-dark one is a, uh, have you, you, you know Sailor Moon, right? Oh yeah, I know Sailor Moon. Yeah, I did Sailor Space Horror. Sweet. Where it's like a Sailor Moon character, but like these tentacles are bursting out of her chest and it's glow in the dark. So what's not to love? Exactly. So I only lo- 20 bucks gets you all that swag in the book. I love the bundle packs. And like you said, 20 bucks, I was like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. Get the book and all this cool stuff. Again, like I said, the art prints are cool. And um, yeah, I just, it's got a lot of great authors in it. Like I said, from what I read, um, I can't wait to finish the rest of it. Extremely entertaining book if you like space horror or if you just like horror or if you just want to check something out. Like you said, there's not a lot of anthologies out there that are just space horror. So, you know, we're all kind of searching for that, for the thing. You know, we're all looking for that same type of magic that that movie had, I think, and aliens and all that's really hard to find. And I feel like this book does a great job of just kind of just peppering you with a whole variety of, you know, situations and all that with that black dark backdrop of space so thank you so much for coming on the show thanks for talking uh screamers uh maybe next time maybe i'll review the fish screamer movie next time just so we can put it on the (laughs) board also called screamers also called screamers (laughs) why are the fish screaming i don't know but i can't wait to find out i actually don't know they don't really scream they just kind of like lurch around all wetly Maybe they go underwater and scream so you can't. Like, <laughs> we'll have to check. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I watched like 80% of it and I was like, this doesn't feel right. And 80% in, there's still no screaming. So I'm not <laughs> quite sure. That sucks. You had to watch that much of the movie too before you're just like, yeah, you're like, waiting, like really waiting for confused. a spaceship to come out of somewhere. I was waiting like, for UFOs or yeah. maybe some aliens or some, something. Something's going to happen, but yeah. Yeah. All right, well, Plim, thanks again. I'll put links to all that stuff uh, when I post the episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been the Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James. Take care.
recording in progress. Recording in stuff. Man, Carson's story was so good. He just writes so good. I hate to suck his dick so much, but it's just like, it's so different, you know. He actually really, he like, he um, put the draft up and he's like, I think it sucks. And I was like, I think you need to calm down. This is great. Get scared. Get scared. Get scared. Get scared. Get scared. Get scared.